Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. The Gospel readings from Matthew 21 through 16, Parable of the Laborers in the Vineyard. Keith will be reading it for us. Today's Gospel is from the 20th chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 16. Jesus said to the disciples, For the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius, a day he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found the others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when they first came, they thought they would receive now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the householder, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Here ends the gospel of the Lord. So here's the sermon. I'll use this quote uh, and a little bit during it from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The church is only the church when it exists for others. Not dominating, but helping and serving. It must tell men, people, of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. Morning, Holy Trinity, and whoever else is tuning in or watching or listening to this. This is Pastor Tim. It's time for the sermon. And uh, if you haven't gotten sick of me asking you what are the three most important rules when it comes to reading Scripture, uh, I'm sure you will be at some point. But I'm going to ask you again, what are those three most important rules of interpreting or reading Scripture? I'm only going to write it once, but they are context, context, context. So I'll put times three, make it a little bit quicker and easier to write up there. Context, context, context. And so before I get into this parable of 
the laborers in the vineyard, I want to talk just briefly about what comes right beforehand because we have two conversations that Jesus has with people that uh, precipitate or lead into this parable of laborers in the vineyard. The first one is with the rich young ruler. And most of us are familiar with it, rich young ruler. It's when this person comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus first says, keep all the commandments. And Jesus goes through and lists them all off. And kind of audaciously, in my opinion, this rich young ruler says, I've kept them all, which I don't know if that's even possible, but for the sake of argument, let's say he actually has. So then Jesus says, all right, you've kept them all. I got one more for you. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And at this, we don't really know the full outcome of the rich young ruler, but we do know that this person goes away grieving. And why do they go away grieving? Because they have many possessions. All of a sudden, it's, I can do this, 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 and this, but don't touch my money. Don't touch my material things, Jesus. Leave that alone. And so he goes away grieving. And then Jesus uh, turns to his disciples and says a very common phrase that we all know, for it's easier for a camel to get through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to inherit the kingdom of heaven. What's interesting is what happens afterwards. We now have, it goes from Jesus in this conversation of the rich young ruler, and Jesus' statement about a camel through the eye of a needle is easier than a rich person into heaven. And then we have a conversation between Jesus and Peter. And it's almost like once Jesus hears this comment of it's easier for a camel to get through an eye of a needle, that Peter says, wait a minute, Jesus. What are we all doing this for? Right? It's almost like Peter hears this and he still has an expectation. Because Peter says, we gave up everything. We left everything to follow you, Jesus. And you're telling me in the end it's going to be easier for a camel to get through an eye of a needle? Remember, they still have this understanding or the expectation of what the Messiah actually is, what Jesus is coming to do. That in the end, Jesus right, will defeat the Romans, sit on the throne, they'll rule their own people, and the disciples will be on either side right? And they argue over it, but they're going to be in the midst of power and glory. And Peter hears the response to the rich young ruler, and it's almost like he is asking, what about me? What am I doing this all for? And Jesus gives a reply, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. And then to explain this statement, the first shall be last, the last shall be first, to get more into Peter's statement like, what about me? Or then what are we doing this all for? If it's not going to give us wealth, riches, right? Why are we doing this? Jesus now gives us parable of the laborer in the vineyard. And this is how the parable of the laborer in the vineyard goes. 
There's a group of people outside working. The landowner comes out, says, hey, I'll pay you to work in my field. They agree, the people go off to work. The landowner comes back out at noon, finds more people, go out to work. Comes back at three, finds more people, go out to work. Come back at five, end of the day, finds more people. Why aren't you working? Nobody's hired us, they said. Well, I'll hire you, go out and work. So now he sends his manager, end of the day, go pay everybody, start with those people, the hired last. And those people hired last are now given something, right? They're given the daily wage and they go on their way. The people at three o'clock come, the people at noon come, and then the people that were hired first come. And they see, you know, people that were hired later than them, after them were given a full day's wage. They're thinking, we are actually here all day. If they're being given that, we'll be given more. And then they're only given the agreed upon wage. And now they're upset. They grumble. They say, wait a minute. We did the work. We bore the heat of the day. We toiled under that hot sun. And the response is, wait a minute. This is what we agreed on. Are you jealous of me because I'm generous? I'm doing you no wrong. This is, I'm doing right by you. Don't worry about what happens with somebody else. It's almost like I hear these people again saying, but what about me? What's in it for me? They're focused on themselves. If you remember a few weeks ago, I did a sermon and I said, as followers of Jesus, we have forfeited the right to say, that's my right. Right? We forfeited. We are no longer allowed to say that. Instead, we ask the question, what's right for my neighbor? That's the question we ask. Along those same lines, as followers of Jesus, we are no longer able to say or ask, what's in it for me? Or what about me? Instead, what we ask is, how does my neighbor benefit? We are no longer able to say what's in it for me or what about me. Instead, our question becomes, how does my neighbor benefit? What is good for them? Remember those old American Express commercials or American Express's uh, tagline? Membership has its privileges. Go ahead and watch this commercial from an old 80s American Express ad. Research showed us that most of the business on Route 4... Inside, you've got a total alteration of the building. I don't plan. think the board could ever recommend Much that. discussion. Did we cover this point? Right. Um, excuse me, Richard's schedule is rather tight today. He has another present. I do have flight 139 leaving in 20 minutes, but only in first class. I'll take it. Okay, they're calling my flight. I'll be there. Much. 
know what just started. Isn't she beautiful? Where is she? A second potted plant from the left. Coming through when you need it most. Membership has its privileges. Membership has its privileges. That's a pretty common thought in the world. We join something and we ask, what is the benefit for us? It happens all the time, right? With whatever kind of club, organization, whatever it might be, you pay your dues, you get benefits. That's what it means to be a member. I think that has infiltrated into the way we think about the life of faith and we think about church. We need to get away from membership has its privileges when we become a follower of Jesus, we don't do it for our own benefit. We don't do it so I can receive something. Do you receive something? Absolutely, right? But is that why you do it? No. You don't do it for privileges. It happens to us and we are given responsibilities. This is the way the story's been from the beginning. If you remember the first great promise that occurs in the Old Testament, it's the, the promise that comes to Abraham. You are blessed to be a blessing. God calls his people together and gives them a task. says, I will be with you as you go and do this. The world isn't working right. And God sends a people to go out and help heal the world. It's not a, our responsibility becomes our privilege, but it's not membership has its privileges as if, look what I get because I am, right? That's the issue that we have, uh, those people that worked first. They think because they were there first, they have certain rights and privileges above others. Peter Jesus, we gave up everything to follow you. If you're saying it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle from a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven, then why are we doing this? This is a whole lot of sacrifice. What's the payoff? What's the payoff? It's not what we think. The payoff is love. Your love, you're cared for. You're taken care of. Your value is secure. Your worth is non-negotiable. It is. Hence, you can go out. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You can live in freedom. And that doesn't mean I can do whatever I want. I'm free. It means, oh, I'm free from this crushing weight of expectation and pressure of having to prove myself to those around me and to myself when I'm looking in the mirror. That is what I'm free of. I don't have to live for myself. That is the essence of sin being turned inward. Instead, I can live for the benefit of others. That is love. If sin is being turned inward, love is being turned outward. There's a quote that you saw at the beginning of 
the sermon, right? Whenever we get to the sermon, I, you see my name, passed, sermon by Pastor Tim Crick. And then at first I started off with kind of fun images of goofy pastors, whatever it might be. And now I'm trying to find more images that go along to support uh, what's going on in the sermon. So here's this quote by Bonhoeffer. The church is only the church when it exists for others. The church is only the church when it exists for others. We don't exist for ourselves. We don't exist for an institution or a building or anything like that. We exist solely for the benefit of others. We gather together to hear we are loved and taken care of. Only to go out to love and take care of others. That is solely why we exist. You are loved. So now you get to go love. You are forgiven. So now you get to go forgive. You are freed from having, of wanting to ask the question, but what about me? And instead we can say, what about them? What about her? What about him? What about the least of these? If we want to get specific about who our neighbor is, it is what about the least of these? May you know you are loved, so you may go and love. May you realize you are free from being turned inward sin, so you may be turned outward for love. Amen.